What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. Today's guest on the show is Dean Morrison. How cool is that? Um, it was epic to get to chat with Dean for a bit, and it's amazing how much he's frothing on the foil, and very excited to share that with you guys. It's a conversation that does get fairly deep about halfway through as well, and I think it's important. I think that understanding his journey and where he is now. And and some of that I think correlates to his love for foiling. So I think it's one that, you know, to, to feel his froth is amazing, but also to be inspired by his path is also um, cool. And, and, and I think important, I think that having those conversations sometimes isn't easy and you don't, you know, we don't do it very often, but it's similar to like the Joel Pilgrim episode in some ways. So if you haven't listened to that, it's it's one of my favorites as well. Before we dive in, a couple notes. Very stoked to finally get to announce that the Progression 200 and 125 are done and will be released. Production's almost done with them right now. And I believe the release date is August 15th. Don't quote me on that. That's what I think it is right now. Uh, reference uni. But... What a journey it has been, this whole process. But um, the 125 came really easy. It was, um, I think we got it first or second shot. I think it was second shot on the 125. Um, you know, like from feeling the 140, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. And Cliffy was able to execute very quickly on that. Uh, the 200 was a different story. The 200 was very difficult to get because we had a feel and... Um, an experience, I think, of riding the 140 and the 170. And I didn't want to compromise and not have that same kind of magic feel where, you know, it just kind of feels like you're self-powered sometimes, like you're on an e-foil, that glide, but then it's still so intuitive in surfing. And we went through a number of prototypes and we could kind of get one or the other. You either had that glide, but then the surfing felt sluggish because it's such a wide foil. I mean, it's a 200, it's a big foil. Um, or we'd have the surfing, but then there were some pitchy moments and the pump would lack. And so we kind of went back to the drawing board a, a few times. We thought it was going to be a 210 and we found that part of, part of getting the magic was going a little bit more HA, making it a, a 200, the dihedral's just a little bit different. Um, I won't get into the nuts and bolts on that, but there are a lot of subtle changes. You can't just scale a foil, um, just from one size to the next uh, and, and expect it to work. That's something that I've learned in this process. And none of these foils are the exact same. They did not scale linearly. We tested each one of them. And, and I think that's what's been so fun about the project. And again, I'm going to say thanks to Unifoil for giving us the bandwidth, budget, time to be able to spend the time, especially on the 200, because I think that's a foil that so many people are going to like. And it would have been easy to pull the plug. We had a couple that were close but it just didn't have the magic. And, and I really appreciate that they didn't, that, that Unifoil, Toby, um, Dom, didn't push us to get one of those done and, and let us just take the time to 
to get it right. And I think we got it right. Uh, Mike got to tow it yesterday with me for the first time. I just dropped a clip, uh, just a real breezy one, but you can actually push it pretty hard in the surf. We've got some incredible clips. We had a, a super fun little tow day yesterday. So uh, that was epic. Um, and then the 125 is a faster, more high performance feel of the 140. It is, um, it's cool. It's still got a lot of low end. Um, it is faster. And I think that, you know, Josh Koo's downwinding that foil a lot. It says it's giving him incredible surfy feels downwind. It's not a race foil. Wasn't meant to be a race foil. Um, it's supposed to be an incredibly kind of high performance surf foil um, made for bigger, but not huge waves. Um, you know, on the Bali trip when they were toe foiling, you know, solid, solid, well overhead surf, it kind of got hung up a little bit. You know, that's not ideal for it, but you know, head high California stuff like that. It's going to be a, a super fun foil and, and here in Florida, pretty much anything that we could throw at it. It's good for, so um, super stoked to be able to announce that and stay tuned for updates on all that. And, um, got some other fun stuff coming too that I can't wait to talk about, but I think that's a little bit farther out, maybe about a month from now, but, um, enjoy the show with Dean. I think that it's an important conversation and also just feeling his froth on the foil and seeing this new group of folks getting into foiling, um, from, the surf world and as high up in the surf world as you can be and seeing their love for what we all love about foiling is really cool. And so I think it means that the sport has a lot of uh, longevity. Um, so, all right, everybody have fun. Be good. Dean, thanks for coming on the show, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Eric. It's really good. Just hanging down the beach with my boy and beautiful day here, mate. So I'm stoked. There's nothing better than surfing with your kids. Oh. Isn't it incredible? Mate, yeah, I'm just blessed just to see them get that stoke and just to share it with them. That's, that's, that's what I'm grateful for, mate. It's, it's awesome. This is really cool. I appreciate you coming on the show. And I grew up inspired by watching you get kegged. And it's so cool that now you're foiling and we get to we get to chat. But what brought you on the foil for the first time? When did that happen? Mate, Paco got me into it. He was, I guess he started with the guys in Hawaii. Okay. And, and then he'd come home and he was just frothing on it. And he was already like, could kind of get up in that. So I guess you, he was kind of stoked that I couldn't do it and would just kind of leave me out there on the board and, and just, I, I just didn't get it. I was like, ah, oh. and he was already like kind of getting along and doing pretty well. So I just, I kind of left it for a while and then I don't know how it come about. I just, I think I just started trying again, just behind the ski with Josh Kerr. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of got up and he towed me into a few waves. It was just like a, just a perfect day. It was just like, like one foot, just really clean and just really beautiful. And I just kind of got a few, few then. I wasn't really pumping much, but then I, I just kind of got the bug. And then it was just time in the water from there. <laughs> what is it that got you about them? I always like to hear what captivates people about the foil lifelong surfers. Like 
you're someone who probably gets every wave they want at some of the world's best surf breaks. So the allure with that access to surf might be not as high as someone who lives in Florida like me, where our waves are just shit and it's the absolute best option ever. It's got to be a lot harder to hop on the foil where you live with your access. What, what drew you to it? I think it was a lot of things. It was just the speed that I was getting on, on smaller waves. Mm -hmm. And it was just the, the learning of it. Like it was, I mean, obviously when you start, like it, cause I surfed, it doesn't transition over. It's like, you gotta kind of go through the school and you start at the bottom. And I think that that was, that was really kind of enticing too. just starting at the bottom again and just being humbled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then i just i always had like that's i always have an obsession with stuff like if i if i try something then it's i'll just i'll be obsessed with it <laughs> and I, I just got like that with foiling i was like oh and then with joel he was already pretty good i wanted to kind of learn how to pump and things like that and just like so i'd just be out in the water like i was a grom again like on shore days but there'll be no one out. I'll be out there on the foil and just, uh, just learning again. It just brought me back to the beginning of how I surfed and just that stoke. And to find that at, at 40, I was, it was, it was just fi- like finding youth again. <laughs> yeah. It's such a common theme, especially for lifelong surfers. One of the things that I think about is for you to go out and have a note, notable session or, or a wave that's going to stick in your memory. It has to be probably all time world-class conditions. And then all of a sudden you change the aspect of what you're riding just a little bit. And all of a sudden you're having those moments in one foot slot, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, like, but the, the days I'm frothing, like I'll surf and I'm like, Oh, I can't wait till it drops. Just, and just <laughs> a nice clean, like one, two foot high tide. And, and then I'm out there again. I'm just, I'm stoked. Like I'm, like you said, it's just, you're getting that sensation again when the waves, when you don't usually in, in waves like that, because mm-hmm. you kind of always got to, like you need speed in that to kind of find it. Like with, with surfing, with where I'm at with it, it's, you kind of, it needs to be, you're kind of always looking for, like you said, then perfect conditions, six foot or, but you know, it's just like with foiling, it's like take it back to the start. And I'm looking at days that I just clean two foot and high tide, and I've got that stoke. That I'm just I'm frothing. <laughs> Love it. You know, something I'm always interested to hear is, and something that I think about a lot. I, I got to live in Costa Rica for a long time, and like on our better days, like the head high, a little bit overhead, some of these like wedgy sandbanks shore break type waves like the turns that you can get off in those days when you have really good surf like it feels like i'm doing those same turns when it's like terrible one to two foot here is that do you have that same feeling like are your turns on foil do they equate to like the same feeling of turns on much bigger faster surf yeah exactly like like i'm I'm on one two foot ways i'm turning as fast as i could on a 10 foot wave. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's the best. Sorry, mate. My little boy's <laughs> froth. He's just sitting here drinking his baby cappuccino. Oh, he's, what is it? A baby chino. 
in his muffin. So <laughs> I love it. He just had a surf too. Yeah, he just had a surf. He's frothing. He he had the best surf of his life. So he's he's stoked. <laughs> that's so good. That's so yeah, good. but no, that's it. It's just it's open it up to just more froth mm-hmm. and conditions that were harder to that I'd look at and I wouldn't paddle out. But now I'm like frothing for them days. Yeah. It's interesting because I've got a lot of friends who still just surf and won't hop on the foil. And I try to explain to them that the turns I'm doing when it's two foot are feeling like the best turns that they've ever done. And no one believes me. <laughs> you know? yeah. oh. Why is that? Like, how do you how do you explain that to someone who just doesn't buy it? They think you're just selling them a load of shit. Oh, you just, I mean, it's, you're coming from what, like you're coming out of so much speed into it again. And it's like, you're just holding that rail, like how you, how I imagine what you want to surf when it's like six, eight foot, you just come off one rail to the other and nothing in between. And you just hold that speed all the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, and like, when, it, like you, most mornings, when with Joel, like we text each other whether whether we're going to go surfing or foiling. Most of the time, we're foiling. Is he still foiling <laughs> a lot? Yeah, he foils heaps. Does he? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll text pretty much every morning and whether we're going to surf or foil. And seventy percent of the time, we're foiling. <laughs> That's unreal. And are a lot of guys like you and Joel and you mentioned Kerr? Like, is there a good crew of of incredible surfers that are foiling near you? Well, just where I've been going down to what he goes. Yep. And, and surfing with Bennett and a few of the other guys and they're unreal just to, just to hang with. And it's just that, it's just a stoke. And it's kind of what I imagined what surfing was like mm. when it first started, that connection and everyone's frothing and trying new gear and wondering what, what the new kind of way you can go on the wave. And it's, man, it's, it's cool to be a part of. And I just. I love just going down there and hanging with all them guys. So you feel it as well. I mean, as ingrained in the surf culture community you are in Australia, you still feel the vibe and foiling as being incredible. Because that's one of my favorite things about it is just, it's so inclusive. Everybody's so stoked. There's not a feeling of scarcity. You feel that as well? Yeah, I do. And it's just, it's just a stoke. Like I, like with Bennett's and with Zane Westwood and that's Alex stoked. Hayes. All them guys, and I'm just surfing with them. Going, oh, look at where they're going, and I'm frothing. And that's it's such a cool perspective because for me, with surfing, I love it so much. But it was always about trying to be the best or beat the best, and there was always this like dog eat dog thing. Mm-hmm. And that that was just my perspective with it. But with with foiling, I'm just it's just like there's this innocence and this grom mentality that I feel that I'm just stoked to be a part of it. Yeah. I agree. We're in a spot right now where there's so much evolution happening. There's still not a lot of money in the sport yet. Everybody's just excited for for what it's providing that, yeah, I, I hope. And one of the things that I like, I think about all the time is I just hope that we can maintain this for a long time because it's so incredible that everybody's just stoked and you haven't gotten that kind of like overriding competitive feel to it all. Yeah. And I think that's some, something that I got to watch in myself too, because I'm so used to that yep. <laughs> about trying to better myself. And, and it kind of, it takes that 
fun out of it for me. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, surfing's it's gave me everything, but there's this kind of internal stuff that I always struggled with and never felt like I was good enough, no matter how, how good I was, because there was always this, oh, I need to be better. Mm-hmm. Whereas with foiling, I, I, I'm really aware of that. And I just, I'm stoked when I, I see these guys surfing on a wave where I want to go and like, oh, how, how stoked I am to share that with him and watching Zane Westwood and man, just the lines that he draws and coming back and hitting the whitewash. Like, I, it's like I, I avoid the whitewash because I, I just feel a bit sketch. Like when I'm <laughs> kind of hitting it, I don't know what it's going to do. So that's cool to see what them guys are doing with it. It won't be long. You'll be smashing yeah. soon, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's an interesting one. Like, Thinking about it from your perspective, growing up in surfing with, I mean, world tour, and then having another surf sport that doesn't carry all the same baggage into it, it has to be incredibly refreshing. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and I, I think it's, it's more, obviously it's more, it comes from within inside me, mm-hmm. but it is really refreshing for myself. And it, it gives me a different perspective with surfing as well. And well, obviously I haven't competed for over a decade, but there's always still that kind of perspective. I've looked at waves, right? but it's helped me to just be, just keep that stoke, that youthfulness within my surfing as well. And it's, it helps me actually, cause I, I'll go from falling to surfing. It actually helps my surfing a lot too. Cause you know, your, your technique with, with foiling has to be pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of transitions. It just naturally happens with surfing as well. And just being in the water all the time, you, you kind of, you keep that, you keep sharp, I reckon. And you don't have an issue going back and forth with, because the weighting's essentially opposite for the most part, unless you're tuning like way far back in the box, but you don't have an issue going from like kind of a front foot foil feel to a more back foot surf feel. Nah, not at all. I did at the start. Uh-huh. Like it took, took a while, but now it's just, I can just grab my foil and get a couple and then I'll just transition. I'll, I'll grab my board and go get a couple too. And I, I don't notice it at all, really. That's epic. I got to a point about a year ago where I had a long string of waves and I was actually trying to, as a part of training, I was trying to, because I talked to Kai, Lenny, Kiahi, Zane Schweitzer. And if you look at the guys who are doing like the surf, foil, kite, like they excel at all of those. And so I started to think like, there's got to be something to the symbiosis of doing all these sports together. Right. And so I started trying to do, I did like three months of trying to surf, foil and skate every day. Yeah. You uh, what happened? And it was awesome. Like it made like the feel, I became so much more sensitive in foot feel through doing it. It was, it was a really cool experiment. Oh, that's unreal. Yeah. And, and how cool is that? Like, still learning as we get older and just keeping that that stoke and that froth that's what i love about it yeah how do you approach learning like if we go back to your surfing days how did you train for surfing was it i mean just surf as much as possible or were you pretty deliberate about it breaking down clips and working with coaches mate i think there was i'm more of a kinesthetic learner okay so for me it's more about feel but there were definitely times when I was in my head a lot and trying to figure it out, which I don't think was a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
but that's just the way that I learn. I know Kelly and them guys, they're, they're really good at breaking stuff down. But for me personally, it's more so when, I, when I'm not thinking, I actually surf my best. So I'll work on something where I'm just, but it'd be kind of one thing mm-hmm. that I'll just be like, and I'll keep it real simple. Like, okay, I just want to compress more out of that term. If I get too technical with it, and, which I have done, it, it, the, the, that instinctual bit of surfing, I, I lose that. And rather than just letting things happen, I'll overthink it and kind of, yeah, so I'm aware of that part of myself with it too. Mm-hmm. So that's like, I guess with foiling, I, I try not to break it down too much. I just kind of go, go with the feel of it. And, and yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with, with it, I think. I've always believed that what separates good surfers from great surfers is not as much technical, but it's a lot more being able to anticipate and understand what's happening with the wave. And I think it's a, a very subconscious process. And I've been very excited to watch incredible surfers like World you, Arco, like Eric Geiselman now is, is a big frothing foiler as well. How once your level of technical ability achieves, like get, gets up to the same level as the best guys in foiling right now, I think that the lines that you're going to be drawing are going to be incredible because of that difference in wave knowledge. And I think we're only about a year away from seeing the first crew of like really talented surfers. And I think like Adam is probably one of the best surfers in foiling right now. And I think that that's one of the reasons why he's so good. But I think that like when, when your crew, like the level come, the guys coming up right now, or if John, John, John would actually like commit to surf foiling for a while, I'm sure that's a few years out. But it's going to be incredible to see what happens at that point in time. Yeah. And it was cool. The other day, I, a few months ago now, I think after Portugal, I seen John over the other side of, and I was foiling. I seen him and I went in and grabbed him and towed him into a few. And he just, it come through like his wave knowledge and just being able to, it was kind of peaky and shifty, but he would just go from one to the other without pumping. And just that wave knowledge he has. I was, it was just, it was really cool to, to see. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like you said, like uh, Eric, Eric was here too. He was frothing when the contest was on. I, I seen him out there a few times on the foil, but uh, <laughs> I hurt my ankle so I couldn't foil with him, but he, he was, he was frothing on it. So that's, yeah, it's cool to, cool to see. And just to see the stoke that people are getting and share it with them. That's the best, man. Eric and I had a great tow day right before he left to go to Australia, uh, scored like three foot shoals, which is like this long kind of bully um, inlet type sandbank. It's really fun. He's going to get good. Oh, quick, man, It's amazing. I know. Yeah. It's unreal to see it. Like I'm just frothing down like foil trips with all the boys and just to stoke. Yeah. That, that uh, Bali trip that the uni guys just did looked all time. So, oh, I did. And uh, yeah, just like, Especially like with Zane and, and Bennett's and, and Benny and them guys that hang at Water Goes. It's just a good crew. And yeah, I'll, I'll be stoked to be on a trip with them where it's on point break somewhere and fat. <laughs> so speaking, of, speaking of Eric, did you see his Ollie yet? His what? His Ollie. 
everyone's everyone's I, talking about it today the ollie over the surfer like coming up for a top turn and someone was like paddling over the wave and like in the middle of his turn he ollied him oh eric puzzleman yeah do you see this yet no i'm gonna check it right now though check check, check out it's on his instagram stab carried everybody carried it's it's like it's like broken the internet today and it's amazing. The comments are amazing because half the people think it's the most dangerous maneuver ever to happen in surfing. And the other half think it's kind of like the raddest thing that's ever happened. Oh, classic. How do you, is it E-R-I-C-K or E-R-I? E-R-I-C-G-E-I. That should get you there. Yeah, would be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, there we are. Oh, look at that thing, man. He's coming down. If you guys haven't seen it yet and you're just listening to this, it's like... Oh, yeah, what do you think about oh, that? Yeah. Head high wave. Bottom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looks like he's about to go into like this full wrap. And then there's someone coming up on like a, I don't know, mini mile, like just paddling over the shoulder. And he like just sees him and then kind of ollies him off the lip and, and lands it, rides out. It's pretty mental. That's so good. <laughs> That's epic. <laughs> I love it. Is that was that kosher? Was that was that dangerous or was that like pretty rad right there? That was awesome. I <laughs> loved it. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> that was epic. Oh man, it, it's funny because since he foils, like all the comments, a lot of comments are talking about him doing that on foil. Oh, that'd be the ultimate. Yeah, I might try that at Snapper today. Actually, I, I could probably try. I could probably get four or five of them on one wave because there's so many people. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe just watching the clips over there. I don't know who what it was. Someone posted an incredible video the other day. Of, maybe would have been Eric. There's like 30 guys in the way as he's surfing down the line there. Like, is there something incredible about the foil to where you can go out on days that no one else wants to be out there? I mean, it, can you have you foiled snapper? Do you go out there when it's like trash and it's still amazing mate i do i just i can't just go out and then i'm out the back and it mm -hmm. just kind of gives me that freedom and i probably shouldn't though but you know because it kind of then you get guys out here that are kind of learning and they're pretty sketch yeah so it, it kind of gives them leeway and i yeah so <laughs> it's it was funny kelly wrote something on one of my instas when i posted something and he was kind of stating his his case, and that's not a good idea. And I was like, "Yeah, mate, you're right. But it's not." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah, yeah." But yeah, so I haven't kind of been going out there that much on the foil. I guess there's other waves that are probably better, like Kelly was saying, rather than because people will go out there that uh, they can't foil, and it's pretty dangerous. So I kind of took that on board and. Yeah. <laughs> How dangerous? You got to listen to the goat. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to listen to anybody, that's a good person to listen to. How dangerous do you think it is? I mean, that's a constant debate. And the the answer that I'm starting to think is like, where are the bodies? Like, if it was that dangerous, we'd be seeing a lot, knock on wood, we'd be seeing a lot more big injuries or injuries in crowd. We're not seeing it. Like you're seeing probably way more just from longboarders and kooks. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Dangerous. Yeah, I've just personally, I've just seen some people out there that are learning, and there are people around. But I guess uh, you're exactly right. Like longboarding or anything like is uh, is dangerous, and you probably get a lot more injuries. There's a lot more of them people out there. Right. So I guess, I guess you just 
you've just got to be careful with when people are learning that maybe they should kind of find somewhere that's a bit more safer and not too many people around but then again i mean i'm pulling the kettle black i learn out at rainbow so (laughs) 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 i can't say too much mate (laughs) Uh, you mentioned you mentioned kelly there rumor has it he might be foiling a little bit can you confirm or deny that no i heard that he yeah he said i think armstrong sent him a bunch of gear he's got a bunch of stuff there so yeah that'd be cool if the goat gets on there eh? (laughs) i mean he's from florida maybe he wants to spend time at home Wow, that would be perfect. I, I'm sure you won't see him any clips come out until he's like ripping. Probably not. <laughs> he's probably just, he's probably like booking time at the pool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> private days. He's going to come out and just blow up. That'd be pretty insane. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> what, are you, what are you riding? What do you like in a setup right now? Man, I'm just riding a 725 Army yep. Armstrong. And just, yeah, yeah, high aspect. And that's kind of been my go-to. I just, I've been working just with the tail with the shims a bit, mm-hmm. and just trying to, so I can kind of, I can, it, I was getting that, the tail was coming out a little bit when I was turning. So mm-hmm. I was trying to shim a little bit to see if I could just hold that in. That, that worked pretty well. And I just kind of, I'm always calling Bennett's up and just frothing if I kind of got questions and he's really good. He always, yeah, yeah, we'll try this. And so it's cool. Yeah. He, he's really yeah, good well, at gear feels. What's that? He, he's super dialed as far as tuning gear. He and I talk a good bit about tuning and, and generally speaking, vast majority of times his, his thoughts are like very accurate about how to tune and what something feels like we agree on a whole lot which is which is cool because we can bounce stuff back and forth um yeah similar and, that's what, and, and i feel it out in the water i'm like oh no i can't be bothered coming in and changing it so i just try to get used to it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's, it's and i it's i love the the conversations that i have with forming and and just kind of learning and 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 just connecting with, uh, with people like that. It's, it just keeps you young and frothing. That's what I'm stoked about. Yeah. I'd like to switch gears for a little bit, if that's okay. And, and talk yeah. about the – are you familiar with the concept of flow states? Yes. Okay. With, yep. How, how, how would you explain them in, in your context, like in how you experience them? It's kind of, you kind of get that awareness beyond thought where you're not thinking. It's just like you're, you're in a space where you're reacting mm-hmm. and responding. And I love that. Like the other day I had a surf out here and there's just no thought in it. And just waves just kept coming to me. And I, I had one of the best surfs of my life, but it was just because I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. Mm-hmm. And I watched the footage back and it wasn't anything special, but... It was just that feeling that I got from it and that connection where I, I was just, it was just so blissful. And, what uh, do you think set you up for that? I, 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 I do a lot of meditation and just that awareness of where my thoughts can take me that I can kind of see that I want to be able to just 
witness my thoughts and, and let it go rather than kind of following every thought like like a dog kind of like sniffing a scent mm. kind of just kind of am able to try to be within a moment with, with not too much activity on the mind and if there is just kind of accepting it for what it is not trying to change the way i feel mm-hmm. and i think that for me is a is a big one and just just helps me accept whatever's going on rather than wish something was different because once my mind gets into it i can always kind of remember a time that was better or, a, or what's going to happen in the future mm-hmm. i kind of just i'm in the moment and that's that i find as i'm growing helps me just just to just to be do you find that the states of meditation and the flow states that you experience surfing foiling whatever else is that a similar feeling to you yeah yeah definitely because you you like with surfing you, like it's like it's a sh- huge form of meditation like you get up on a wave and you pull off and sometimes you're like i don't even know what i've done on that wave mm-hmm. like and that's you're like oh what happened like sometimes you paddle back out and I remember one of the best waves I've ever caught. My mate goes, oh, how was that wave? He's like, gosh, I don't know. And I was like, I think that was the best wave of my life. <laughs> and I didn't realize that until he asked me. <laughs> and it was just that kind of state you're in. And you're like, oh, and you just remember back to, to feeling. I just remember all my weight was on my front foot and the wave was coming over me at the front. And I was still going straight. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and then it's just like that. You're so in engulfed in a moment that it's it's beyond thought i had a situation and i don't think i've ever said this on the podcast it's a really cool it's probably the most i don't know like the the heaviest surf experience i've had it's not a big wave or anything like that but it was when i was just starting to foil and we did a trip to costa rica and we were surfing foiling a reef break that was probably a, a foot overhead so not huge but i i'm foiling and it was the first time that i rode a small wing i'd been foiling in florida on these big slow wings and i was on a lift 150 and took off on this like you know a little bit overhead wave this long right point that then wraps back left into this bay and probably a 35 second ride but just tapped in the whole entire way and when i finished the wave and i kind of came down I looked around and it was like I had forgotten that I was in Costa Rica. It like took me 20, 30 seconds to remember like, oh, I'm in Costa Rica. I'm in wherever I was. It was it was a really trippy experience that I've never really had before or after that. It was just like I had been transported someplace else for some unknown amount of time and then just been teleported back to where I was. And it, it was the universe coming back. Like it was a really weird feeling, man yeah how good's that yeah it's like that's that's what people go into caves in india to find that what we can what we can experience while riding waves yeah that's just that transcendental you transitioned from being on tour to being off tour surfing's a weird one in that surfing's one of the only sports where people will stop competing so that they can chase the sport at a better level 
right? It's like you don't leave the NBA to go play in some super league where you're playing amongst the best of the best of the best. But but that's essentially what you're doing is, as most surfers leave, leave the tour and then go chase in, incredible surf. But I'm sure there's also a come down from all of the hype and the attention and the competition. How did you process all that? Like, I, I think about it in, in regards to flow states and I kind of feel like sometimes we need like flow recovery centers for people to integrate back into society after I had to leave Costa Rica after 11 years. And I just like, I wasn't prepared to live in a place without that access to those states at all time. It took me a year and a half, two years to figure out how to live in Florida. Then foiling came along and then I kind of didn't have to figure it out anymore. But was that a, was that a weird transition for you? And, and how did you process that for yourself? Yeah, I think for me, I, it was it was a transition like the identity was gone and the ego was pretty deflated and which is a good thing but at the time when you don't know how to deal with that yep you feel it's a pretty lonely way when you're looking for everything outside of yourself yep so it was i i I actually for me myself i i was never i never partied that much but once i once i left the tour i started partying a lot and, and drugs and alcohol were a pretty big thing in my life for a while. And it, it was just, it was just the perception of having, of always needing something that made me feel good because where I was and I hadn't dealt with a lot of things in my life, um, was really uncomfortable kind of being my body what what i realize now and so you kind of find things that will take you out of that experience and give you like that out of body kind of experience that you're looking for Mm -hmm. Uh, and that that was i i think with that when you're doing when i was doing that there's not much growth because i'm always kind of looking to, I'm looking for an experience that's going to make me feel good rather than paying such a great teacher that that's the only way that we change. And when you're looking for them for that, where you're just kind of looking for something to make you feel good all the time, it's, it's, it's not sustainable and it's not something that you, that, that experience that pain that you're feeling is there for a reason to help you grow and get get through it. But when you just completely avoid it, like I did, it, it took me to places that I didn't want to be and to really, and I really had to have that shift of perception where I put my hand up for help and just said, look, I know this is kind of getting out of control. I'm becoming someone I don't want to be. And it wasn't until then that I got people around me and got support that I could really kind of go into them things that were really hard from when I was, I was holding on to stuff that from when I was young, like three, four, five years old, and I'd learned all these habits that to survive and things outside of myself that made me feel good and people, what they would say to me that I really had to have a perception shift and kind of go inward to, to kind of heal wounds that, that needed to be healed. And it was only through having a lot of good friends around me and uh, people that had done that work, you know, Tommy Carroll's a huge influence on my life that I was able to 
kind of grow eventually from them things that I actually had never really felt before. I'd avoid it for most of my life. And it wasn't until I actually went into the fry pan and went into that being uncomfortable that I was able to kind of heal them wounds that I needed to heal. Yeah. I, Tom's been on the show a couple of times and the last one, we went pretty deep. I, I read his book before the show and, and we talked about a lot of his journey. And I think it was a, a beautiful show because I think that when Joel Pilgrims as well, I don't know if Joel, but we don't talk about that type of stuff. And I think it's, I think it's amazing that you can be so candid about what you've been through, because I think that that's incredibly helpful because everyone's going through something at some point, right? And to know that other people have, and that other people have, have gone outside to get help. I think it's, I think that's a really powerful thing, man. I, I actually watched your, your movie in prep for this, which I thought was fabulous, by the way. I, it's funny. It's the first surf movie that I've watched in probably four years since I started foiling. <laughs> yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. And it's good, man. That's just made me want to go get barreled though. But uh, what you just said about Tom and then in kind of your just relationship with, with rabbit as well, it seems like you have had some incredible mentors or friendships or however you want to define them in your life. And I think that mentorship is one of the most important things. And, and I think it's something that we, we don't really think about anymore this, as a society that's obsessed with formal education, school and college and, and all this kind of stuff. But I have always found that I have learned much more from probably four people in my life than I have throughout almost anything else, right? Can you talk about like those relationships a little bit or just mentorship in general? And if, if you do that now on the other side with people coming up? Yeah. So I think it's for me, like it's just finding the truth and just, and, and putting your hand up and going, you know what, I'm, for me, I'm just like, you know what, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing good here. There's a, a lot of things that are going on in my life that, that isn't, it's, there's no peace. And once I, once I got, once I was honest about that and then put my hand up and, and really started to go into that with people around me that could, that had gone through their stuff. I, I built that connection where they were pointing me to, it's, if I'm not the problem, there's no solution. So I stopped playing the victim and I got honest with myself, which is a hard thing to do because it's so easy to have a pity party. And once, once you have people around, you go, well, hang on, you chose all of this, mate. Like what, what's going on for you? Cause like we attract whatever's going on inside us. So if, if there's some kind of, if I'm not trusting myself, pretty sure I'm going to end up in a relationship that, that kind of is similar to that because it's, it's from what's coming inside, even though at the time I'll probably go, Oh, this one's my soulmate. That the person that she, that person's probably going to be just as broken as me. <laughs> so it's, it's understanding that within myself and not, not pointing the finger or playing the victim and going, okay, well, I, I got to, there's these things that have been going on for me in my life that have always been there. Well, how do I, uh, how do I grow from them experiences? Because I've always looked for people, places or things to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I heal that wound inside that I keep 
trying to fulfill and nothing, no matter what material thing I had, it would never fulfill. And the material things are great, but if that's the only thing that you're valuing your life on, it's a, it's, it's pretty bad. You said material there at the end, but it, but it sounds like you're also talking about experience as well to where both those things are fillers essentially. Yeah. And I think material is great. If, if you're fulfilled on the inside and you, you want material things are great because it gives you freedom to do what you want as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good. But if that's the only thing that, that you're judging your life on, then it's, it's, there's nothing that's going to fulfill that space, that, that, that emptiness that I, that I found was, it was just, it, it wouldn't, there was nothing there that, that could fill it. It, it last for a while. So you kind of, you, you, for me, what I'm learning is that it's great to have them. It's good to have them goals, but if I'm not fulfilled on the inside with, and that's just by having, for me, just having a, having a power greater than myself, which, which comes through a lot of people, a lot of friends that I have that mm-hmm. are like where they kind of lead me back to the truth of a conversation. And that's, that's why Tommy and a few of my friends are just such big influences on me that they'll, uh, they'll lead me back to, to that space of not overthinking or not kind of playing the victim where they'll go, okay, well, what's going on for you, Dino? Because that's the only thing that we have control over is ourselves. It doesn't matter what's going on in the outside world. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what really matters is, is what's going on in the inside. And that's where I, once I can look at that and go, oh, okay, well, for me, there was a lot of anger that came up for a long time. And under that anger, there's a lot of fear. And then under that fear, there's just a lot of unworthiness. So that was kind of where, where I was with it. But it, it wasn't until I got still and sat with all that stuff and talk to people about it and not sitting in my own head and trying to figure it out by myself that I was able to go through that and get to the next stage of where I want it to be. Yeah. I have a good friend named Josh Waitskin who has been on the podcast and he'll come on again here soon. He brilliant brilliant dude wrote a book called the art of learning and one of the things that he has always talked to me about and this is probably goes back about 10 years and he's helped me with this is that moving my locus of control from external to internal being guided by an internal locus of control and i think that speaks to a lot of 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 what you're saying over the the last few minutes here where not allowing environment to control feelings and and things like that. Like it's an interesting, it's it's interesting to, I'm I'm thinking about like our conversations and what you just said right there. And and I actually think we talk about that in the first podcast on this show. If anybody's listening and they want to hear Josh, he's the first guest a long time ago, which is really nice of him to come on. When, when you're surfing, like I, one of the the quotes in the movie was you got an incredible 
barrel and, and you you equated it to like the, the closest to heaven that you you've ever seen the and, and you've mentioned truth is a guiding factor what what are your guiding principles i think for me it's just honesty openness and willingness when i can be open to to what's going on mm-hmm. rather than me trying to not accepting the way that it is and trying to change the way that I feel, it allows me to have acceptance and and be okay with whatever's going on and realize that this experience is here to teach me. I heard the other day, instead of like, why is this happening to me? Like kind of just changing your perception to why is this happening for me? And it's just, I think that's all we need is just a change of perception. Mm-hmm. That that will help us through a situation that we find really difficult. Yep. And uh, like they say, life's ten percent of what happens to you, and ninety percent of what you make of it. Yep. And like something tragic can happen to someone, but then someone can get through it and move on, and still live a fruitful life. And then other people, they, something can happen, and it can hinder them for the rest of their lives. So we we want to be able to have that honesty because that honesty is the only thing once we're honest then we can kind of change whatever's going on but if we're kind of like telling ourselves a story that makes us a victim then we're kind of in this resentment kind of anger where nothing kind of gets done yep and i'm you know even though it feels uncomfortable and yes I, I, it's a progress, not perfection. You just have that little bit of awareness that I can, I can change, I can change this, rather than it hindering me where it affects me for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think about like we had to go through something really hard five years ago. Oh, I think actually it might be six years ago now. Wow, we were in Costa Rica, and we, and, and I don't know if you listen to the show or you, you know this. I've talked about it a couple times, but. My wife was sick for a while. We found out that she had this massive brain tumor and that's why we had to move back from Costa Rica. And it was really scary. There was like, I don't know, seven, eight months where we didn't know what was going to happen. She ended up being fine, but it was like this massive, I mean, we pulled our kids out of school. We had to move within 24 hours of finding it from a life we had created for 11 years and had to move back to the States. And it was, and I had always kind of preached this philosophy of like the hands you're dealt, like, like we all get dealt different hands, but you can always play your hand the best way that you can play it. And it was like this real world challenge of of having to do that because everything that we had done for so long was just gone in 24 hours, essentially. And we had to completely start over and it was hard, but at, at the same time, like, just like, all right, well, here's our new hand. What are we going to, what are we going to do with it and, and make the best of it? And I completely agree with what you were saying there about things not happening to you, happening for you, because we would never have picked the set of circumstances that led us to where we are right now. But I can say that probably everyone in our family is happier now than five days before we had to leave. And I can't believe like that and think knock on wood, thank God for all of that. But it's just amazing in retrospect that the outcome given this, it's like, so I, I, the, 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 for you instead of to you is such, such a powerful thought. I had never really thought about it like that before. I love that. Yeah, and it's just, 
it's like I heard Tom talk about the other day in a meditation he had. And sometimes we we get these experiences that make us change and look at it in a different way. And once we can kind of have that shift, we're more open to, to changes of life. And like there's so many sages that say that within the Buddhism. That's that's what he teaches is that life is suffering because if we hang on to things not changing, then all, all of a sudden we'll suffer. But if we can just accept what, with what's going on and kind of show up, then we're, we're open to the new experience of life. And that's, that's my theory with it anyway. I know that I've held myself back because I was dealing with a lot of things in fear. Mm-hmm. And once I could just have some faith and just go, well, what things are going to work out, like, and be grateful for the things that I have, then all of a sudden I could awaken to inside myself rather than my mind just going over all the things that didn't work out and whatever it does because you kind of, you're more kind of moving through life within the spirit. And that's kind of where with meditation, I get to have that awareness with inside myself that I can, I can just be still and I, I, I'm a little less reactive. I'm not so in my head where I'm just fearful. Mm-hmm. So I really try to, uh, meditation for me is, it, that's, it helps me out so much with that, that we're t- what we're talking about. Has your relationship to the ocean changed through this journey or does it still feel like the same place? as when you were a Grom? Like, it's, it's just stoke. Like, I'm just, I just find so much happiness in the ocean and I always have. And so I think more so I'm bringing it back to when I was a Grom rather than, I, I, there's probably a part of me that's so ego driven that I can get too caught up in my own bullshit (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I like, I really try to bring it back to when I was a Grom and why I started surfing and just that stoke and, and that just meeting people out in the water and having a good time rather than me trying to get every wave. But I mean, I mean, I come from the most crowded place in the world and I froth on surfing. So, you know, I'm definitely not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Alien people yet, though. <laughs> no, nah, I think it, well, it's a good idea, though. I was thinking about going out and doing it now. <laughs> I, lo- I love this conversation, Dean. I, I really appreciate you coming on to do this. I think I feel like we should end it light for a couple minutes. Fun foiling, because that, that went a little deeper. But I think I think it went a lot. I went, I, I think that's a much better, more important conversation than just talking about foiling for an hour. So I think that's awesome. What's the surf like right now? It's it's like two foot, three foot, and super clean. And just like little runners at Snap and my son just had like had like four waves of the best four waves of his life. And that just that was epic. That has always been the one wave that I've wanted 
to go surf. It's just like a regular foot. Like it, I don't feel like there's a better place on the planet. Oh, it's just, we're just so blessed. It's just, it's perfect sand bottom, clear, clear water. And uh, yeah, like for Ike, it's just like a huge playground. Like he just being a kid, he doesn't know how lucky he is that he gets to grow up here and just, uh, just get like long waves. The open walls, it's epic. Uh, are you coaching him a lot? What's your philosophy? Actually, this is actually a pretty interesting thing right now. Like, what's your philosophy on your son surfing and how are you approaching that? Because I'm sure that being your son in Snapper, there's going to be this whole thing that comes from who you are. Uh, are you sheltering him from that? Are you leaning into it? Like, or, or you know, is he just playing in the water? Is he? Yeah, how are you? How are you taking? How are you bringing him into the water? Yeah, I, I think just just enjoying it. Like I, I just tell him like, who's the best surfer in the world, and he's yeah, so the one having the most fun. And I just if we can just keep it real simple for him, and he can enjoy it, and he he's a confident kid, and I love that about him. But probably a bit too confident. But I would rather him be like that than then not be confident. So mm-hmm. it's no one gives you the manual like how to raise kids and I'm just doing my best really, mate. And trying to overcome my demons so they don't get put onto him and yeah, that's trying to get him to have as much fun as he can. <laughs> I look back at the times when my son grew up surfing with me and he's fourteen now, but he started paddling out to some of the reef breaks and stuff when he was like seven with me and I look back at some of those sessions as like my favorite sessions I have ever had in my life. And I didn't even really catch waves. I was terrified that he was going to be okay the whole time, but <laughs> seeing how stoked he was and that's such a great time, man. Oh, that, it doesn't get any better. No, Gee, it doesn't. Just, uh, it's to share that with your son. It's, 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 uh, that's bliss. Oh. Right on. Dean, thank you so much. I don't want to over overdo it here. And I want you to get back out there and, and have fun. So thank you very much for coming on the show. And what do you want to leave folks with? Mate, oh, just, yeah, I don't know. Just be stoked. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Eric, you're the man. Dude, thank you, brother. Yeah, dude, I I really appreciate you doing this. And yeah, I've looked up to your surfing like my whole life. So this is really fun to uh, appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) We'll share a foil one day. Yeah, that'd be epic. I'm frothing. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.